Hello, this is Kristen McDonald, and thanks for tuning in today to Second Vision. Is COVID-19 affecting your relationships? If so, I have an expert in the area of love with us today. Dr. Gary Salyer is the author of Safe to Love Again, How to Release the Pain of Past Relationships and Create the Love You Deserve. He's here to talk about how we can improve our relationships given all the challenges with the pandemic. It's so great to have you on the show again, Gary. Thank you, Kristen, uh, and I'm happy to be back. Thank you so much. Well, so much to talk about. As, as I just mentioned earlier, the last time we spoke, there was none of these problems going on in the world. <laughs> so No, things are relatively normal compared to Yes, now. and there were enough challenges at that point. Oh, yes, yes, love that. Yeah, there were enough challenges now and then we decided to go from the, you know, pretty much the proverbial pan into the fire, so to speak. Yes, what did you call it, a curveball? Yeah, 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 I said, you know, basically COVID has thrown a curveball in the dirt for everybody, whether you're a single or, cover, uh, or a couple. And, you know, the question is, do you swing at it or not? <laughs> you know, it's, yeah, it's do not you partake good... in it? You know, do you do you trust going on a Match.com date and taking your mask off with somebody that you don't know? <laughs> exactly, exactly. You know, uh, this has – I just remember when my son called me way back in March when Gavin Newsom, you know, yes. put out the first day at old home order. And he calls me and he says, uh, did you know you're grounded yet? I go, no, I didn't know that. It's been a few years. <laughs> you know, just been a few uh, but I, within two hours, I just thought, and I said, okay, this, if you think about it, this, this is going to make sure that it's going to affect singles in a way that they don't have no right to connect. And for couples, it's going to say that you have no right to go out and separate and have your own experience. They're going to get too much intimacy, too much connection. Yes. And, and singles are going to get none. It's going, we all have a right. Love is supposed to be go out, explore your life, but come home to the safe port of someone's heart. And this thing just splits it right in half. You get one or the other, but not both. And, and love needs a time to explore and be ourselves, but to come home and be supported. But too much of one or the other is not a good thing. It's not a good thing. And then there are the people who are alone. And that's that's difficult, too, and they're too afraid to go out and try to, to find someone now. But let's break it down into different categories. Sure. You have the couples who are at home. You know, I know some friends who shall rename, remain nameless, and they tell me their issues, you know, all being stuck in the house. They have two kids on the computers in the next room, and they have maybe a husband who goes off to work, and one mm-hmm. stays home. And there's all different kinds of scenarios, you know. And it's it's really confining to people that never experienced this. Yes, it can be extremely confining and uh, too much too much togetherness and connection is too much of a good thing. I yeah. actually, at one point, I had a few friends over for about, about four days because there was a fire near their house, and I, I let the family move in for a few days while they waited. And I began to realize with everybody set up in all parts of the house, there was no place to go. It was like being in a Starbucks. <laughs> You're like, where's the bathroom? <laughs> exactly. No place to go but outside or to the restroom. Yes, exactly. And, you know, and that's the problem. You're under each other's feet too yeah. much. There's constant bids 
for connection. You know, the heart and soul of, well, I deal with attachment theory, but the heart and soul of any relationship is all these bids for attention and support that we do naturally. From as simple as, honey, uh, have you seen the coffee? Lately, or, you know, where are my keys to, you know, have we gotten, have we paid the, the mortgage? What about the kids' homework from homeschooling? All those are bits. But a couples can do, then when they've, they've videotaped this, up to 200 in, in 30 minutes if they're, like, having dinner together. 200. But we're finite creatures. We're not meant to be always answering bids. Good couples, good relationships, you'll respond to each other's bids for attention in a positive way 86% of the time. Anything under 50 is a problem. But when you're under each other's feet, there's no time for me time. There's no time to relax. It just because so many bids and so much under your feet that it feels like a pressure cooker, and it is. And then that tension comes out in the relationships that you have, arguments that you never used to. And the other thing is that... Uh, when you're under each other's feet. A lot of couples use distractions, going out, going to the gym, use their work, you know, their iPhone, their social media, but now they're seeing it 24-7, and it presents a real mirror, like, wow, these are the major Major problems. You know, I used to see more of my boss at work in television, because we worked long hours, than, than his wife did on some weeks. You know, because he'd go home to Santa Barbara on the weekends, and we worked long hours. You know, at um, in the company till sometimes eight o'clock at night. And I'm I'm only saying that because there's a relationship where they had time to refresh and renew. You know, and yes. people would go off to work, like you say, or the gym, or anywhere. And now the only place you can go is for a walk. And and what about political differences or just differences on? how to handle the pandemic. I hear this constantly from couples who are at home saying, well, he's going to see his nephews, but I didn't think it was safe. And, you know, so it starts a whole grocery list of problems. It does. And, and, and I have, you know, I've had, a, I've had a fair amount of couples seek me this year, right, because they're now looking at the problems and they realize we got to deal with it. It's, yeah. But, and when it comes to that issue, you know, one of the things I argue in my book is one of the four key feelings we must give to feel loved or receive is this feeling of cherished and protected. Cherished and protected. Now, cherished and protected. I, yes. Now, you know, this, and there's this element of trust. This gets into trust. The metric for trust in any couple is will you leverage your interest or uh, at my expense? So if one couple, if one person says, I don't think this is all that serious, I'm going to go out to the gym, and the other one is scared and feels they could die, that's a pretty big betrayal. It's called this betrayal. It's a big problem. Yes. Yeah. And, and I've, had, I've, I've actually had to talk to a few clients and, you know, and say, if you go and do that, you know, your buddy's party for the poker party, and you, or you go to that family reunion, uh, sometimes uh, I have to tell the women too, and the other one is uncomfortable. This is a betrayal that will last a long time. It's not worth mm-hmm. it because it will trap the rest of the relationship. You've got to be able to come down and and make sure that both people feel cherished and protected. Yes, yes, because this is happening yes. amongst friendships too. I mean, I have friends who are seeing more people than I'm comfortable with, so I'm not seeing them right now. 
and 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 you know it it happens for all of us in so many different ways and but at least you know when you're when you're not living in the same household you can make those decisions it's unfortunate you don't see those people but when you're married it's not fair to the other partner you have to compromise or not do it as you say yes i mean what you know what i'm telling all the couples to do is because of this pressure cooker there's a few there's a few steps that all couples need to institute one is you have to deal with the feelings the thing that when we research knows that when we allow stress from the outside world to get into the relationship that's when all that external stress <clears throat> comes in sideways out as as constant bickering or if the pressure moves inside the relationship as homeschooling all right so we've got to deal with those feelings and the first thing if you're out there and you're a couple is you've got to make every feeling okay that and what that means is you've got to attend to those feelings and make them all okay if someone's feeling hopeless one day because they and they're afraid of losing their job that's okay mm-hmm. but the problem is, is is but you got to agree you have to sit down and agree that one person well both people won't freak out at the same time somebody's got to hold down the fort while the other one bounces off walls and then you have to have time. If a couple can sit for 10 minutes each day and just do a check-in, it's called a stress-relieving conversation, where you say, how, how was your day? And you don't try to fix it. You just <clears throat> say, wow, that must have felt horrible. Tell me more. You know, what was the worst part of that? And you just feel with them. This helps dissipate the stress. So make every feeling okay. Give yourself a few times to not fix the problem, but just feel with the tension or the distress or the anger. Uh, you have to decide how to create we time. And Listen to it time. and acknowledge it, which is so often, yes. you know, you tell someone something and the men are good at this. They want to fix it and they don't want to just listen to your feelings. So you're saying acknowledge it and have a place at the table for it. That's what they used to tell me with my vision loss. Have a place at the table for it and then acknowledge it and move on. Exactly. Uh, a lot of, you know, like say something happens and the wife comes over and says, honey, it was horrible. You know, I was on on the Zoom and it all crashed and I lost my PowerPoint. It was in the biggest meeting of my life. And he goes, oh, wow. You know, did you hit control out delete? Did you try to, right. you know, did you do <laughs> That's that's not going to do it. There's a, that does a control alt delete on the relationship. But if, but if he simply says, "Oh my God, that must have been so frustrating." What else did you feel? Oh my God, I felt hopeless. I bet you did. I'll bet you and that must have been. I'm sorry. That must have been really just. Oh, it's more than just plain you. Well, what else was it? Now that fixes it. And yes. For a lot of men, if you get if you get that, you know, and it goes both ways. Men, if you have your feelings. You do have them. Talk about them. Give your wife some feelings. Don't say, well, I feel that things are really going bad at the moment. You could say, I feel hopeless at the moment. Yeah. Give them a feeling. Give them a feeling and they know where you are. Give them a feeling that and they're going, well, what does that mean? Yes, acknowledge it. Yes. Now, I understand exactly. abuse is on the arise, too, you know, that these people are already stuck in bad relationships, that it's really scary and... uh you know, what do you tell the people at home who are stuck in an abusive relationship? Boy, that's it is true. Both domestic and child abuse rates have risen. We know yeah. that. That that would have been predictable because 
these are people that don't know how to emotionally regulate or co-regulate each other, right? And the person that's doing the abusing does not know how to calm themselves. So in those instances, yes, they should seek professional help. And if it's really physical abuse, then if that person won't seek help, it's okay to get out. And I know mm-hmm. that gets into a lot of things with financial stuff, and, I, and every case will be different. But nobody should put up with physical abuse. That's, that's no. no, no. Sure, you that's don't even have privacy to go call an emergency line. You know, I mean, it's really yeah. a changed world now. So there's everything's very tricky. Yeah, you know? and there's two types of domestic abuse. When you're, if you're listening to it, if if something happens and a person loses something once and it is not a pattern, it's like the first time ever they just got superheated and somebody crosses a line and they're really sorry afterwards. It's not like a that's called situation mm-hmm. that can be dealt with a lot more easily. You go in and you figure out what caused it. You show some self soothing. That can be worked with. But if it's characterological, and there is a long history, this is that's really the key. If this has a history of happening more than once or twice, that means that it has to be severely dealt with, quickly dealt with, or you need to get out because we yeah. that's not cherished and protected, right? No, nobody not at deserves all. Far to be from it. Yeah. Yes. So if it's a one-time thing. Most people in the field would say, okay, that can be dealt with. That situation, anybody can lose something and they just superheat it. Uh, but if it's a, a track record and now it's gotten worse because, well, because of COVID, um, then it's okay to create your own experience and create safety for you and your children. Definitely. That is, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And then I think of these other age groups, like we mentioned before we started the, the call. And that is, you know, I've I've heard that suicide is on the rise for teens, you know, and and depression. And I think, God, when I was in high school, you could date anyone, you could do what you wanted. I was off riding horses in the afternoon. I mean, we could go to a party, a college experience. I mean, my friend's uh, son just went off to college. They're masking. They're they're at six feet apart in class. The whole experience of dating and interacting for young people has radically changed. What do you tell those young ones, you know, who are out there trying to connect? Well, to, to, you know, the first question was like suicide in the teenage population. Yeah. We know that's risen quite a bit. And a lot of it is due to the pervasive effects of social media. And there's two aspects to that. They're, they're noticing that 14 and 15-year-old girls would rather stay in the room on a Friday night than to go out and date. Okay. Oh, that's so now, sad. Now, as of one case uh, I've heard of lately, um, she, the daughter got very, very uh, depressed because what she found out was she could get all these likes and kudos by pictures of her, that accented eyes and lips and all this other stuff, right? You say you, you have to have a Hollywood makeup artist to do this, right? Right. <laughs> you could look like anybody now today. And then she was afraid to go out because she knew she didn't look that way in real life. Oh, isn't that sad? And, yes, that's it. I mean, we're presenting this false face of us on social media, and then some part says, am I really lovable as I am? Well, I mean, if That's, anorexia weren't bad enough, you know, in the 70s and things like that, when it, you know, and, the, the, and, and prior to that, the Twiggy models years and years ago. But 
Then now yes. they have kids in their 20s doing Botox, you know, late teens. Crazy. Yeah. Yes. And and the other thing, too, is, you know, social media, uh, texting, which is, got, is much more prevalent, you know, like the TikTok stuff, too, in the younger generation. For our attachment system, the part of our brain that's millions of years old that expects a real a real connection, you know, with face-to-face and touching and hugging, these are empty calories. Yeah. We are starving our, our attachment systems because some part of our, says, or our brain sent a text and goes, that doesn't look like anything that looks like a relationship to me, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So the, we, we were starving ourselves a real connection, and the brain knows that. And when it doesn't get a hit of real connection, it doesn't get enough, you know, uh, you know, dopamine and oxytocin and other things. So then you get into more and more states in your brain that are such, you know, that are ripe for depression. So what we're really saying is, you know, you got to get off your apps, so to speak, and get out there. And and we need real connection. The brain. But how can we get the real connection now with the COVID? That we have all these restrictions. Oh, isn't that the catch-22 of all time? Yeah. And the intimacy, uh, like you're saying, the hugging. I even heard this on the Today Show, and uh, they're talking about the hugging and the intimacy of just friendship and handshakes. And, uh, and people need to be touched, and we're missing all of that, not just in relationships, but we're missing it overall. Exactly. I mean, I have a, a good friend that, and every time, you know, we, we, see, we get sometimes jump on Zoom, right? And, and, and she'll say, oh, give you an air hug. And you, you, she she wraps herself right. <laughs> I do that on, on Zoom. I know. <laughs> I mean, it's cute, but it's but your brain goes, "What is that?" <laughs> I know. Exactly. I know. I know. So, what I have said for uh, couples, I mean, not couples, but singles, is, you know, this generation in the last five ten years, swipe left became a mantra. Swipe left, swipe left. Uh, it comes in. I've heard so many women clients complain so bitterly. We're falling. I'm falling in love. I thought we were falling in love. And two or three or four months into the relationship, I get this message and I text, oh, honey, you know, you've been really wonderful. But there may be somebody better out there. Maybe I can get 40 out of my 60 categories and not just 30, right? And <laughs> And then it creates all this worthlessness. Now, what I think... This and so more people are swiping left, which as that happens, more and more people feel like, as one woman put it, chopped liver. What's wrong with me? They swipe left rather than swipe down. <clears throat> so they're not giving themselves a full opportunity to fall in love. So what I think COVID has done, it's interrupted that, which isn't yeah. the worst thing available. That's the upside of the downside. Now, the other thing is what I've been telling my single clients is, you know, you get out there and you get them on Zoom and you have four or five Zoom dates. Don't make it three and a half hours. That's false intimacy. You'll get a false read. You'll get a false positive on that, so to speak. But and see how they show up. Ask them, so how do you feel about wearing a mask? And they go, oh, my God, I just hate it. Then you have an idea. Get a Mm -hmm. feel for their lifestyle. They don't show up, don't worry about it. If they can't show up on Zoom, if they say, oh, my God, my mother's, you know, they don't look like, you know, if they can't show up and you can see their energy, but get to know them, and then the couples have to, once you you have to get very 
very clear about your own medical needs and your own safety uh, needs. You get clear on what you need in terms of all, you know, how much social distancing you need. And maybe if you've got medical stuff, clear it with your doctor. This isn't the right time. So you work on yourself instead. Or, you know, but if you create what I call a couple bubble, a temporary couple bubble, where you both agree, we're going to limit social interactions. We're going to quarantine for two weeks. And then we can get together and we can hold hands. If we want to, we can kiss. Okay. And we, and you've established enough three, four weeks that you feel you can trust this person. Not just mm-hmm. off the bat. You've got to have a track record. You've got to have a feel for them. Then both couples, and then they can decide to date pretty normally. Now, this is a longer arc, and one of the beautiful things about it is you're going to find off sooner than later, before you're sorry, if they can create a we with you. Yes, because that takes character, a lot of character and trust to do what you're just saying with a brand new person, you know. I mean, to to say to somebody, you know, in a a relationship when you've been separated and then someone quarantines, you already have a a track record with that person. You already trust it. You're on the same page. But a brand new person, that's a big commitment to make to them to say, okay, I'm going to quarantine for you for two weeks for you so I can build a relationship with you. That's a big deal. So you have to already have a great interest going you know, uh, that's a big deal. It is a big deal. And uh, it doesn't, and I call it a temporary couple bubble. It's not the same couple bubble that, like, Stan Tackin talks about for when people get married or long-term relationships. Mm-hmm. This, you know, the one, one single woman, they went out for six or seven dates for about five weeks, and then they both realized really good people, a lot of things to appreciate, but not quite the right alignment. And then, but that was a successful date. Knowing mm-hmm. that they dated for four or five weeks, they went out five or six times. They were, you know, able to hold hands, hug. But they realized there's, it's just not quite right. That's why I call it temporary couple bubble. Now, if we did this, I hope and I believe this will stay more because the swipe left didn't do anything for singles besides no. date everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And this way, we're getting back to some old time, you know, what attachment has always been, getting to know somebody. Yeah, and that's the golden nugget that you're talking about, that that's really the way it's supposed to be, you know, um, rather than rushing into a relationship with somebody that you don't know because, sure, I mean, maybe one out of I don't know how many can work, but um, it's really a risk factor at any age. And it's really nice to get to know somebody and build that lasting, you know, that, that trust and and um, it gives it you a is. whole different spin on the relationship. Yeah, and that's it's a return to just courtship uh, and mm-hmm. real attachment. You know, it, mm-hmm. it actually takes about two full years for your attachment system to fully bond with another person. So when we're swiping left, at, you know, every three or four weeks, we mm-hmm. won't know. You know no, and sometimes no. I, yeah, and now there's another scenario that I was listening to one single woman and the guy was saying, I really want to, you know, how did he put it? I really want to make sure we're exclusive and that we're, and he wanted to make sure everything was safe or he was doing this. But I got the idea, oh, he's not about, he didn't say he wanted to commit it. He just needed it exclusive as an now so that, that, that they could have sex. So, right. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> you know, <laughs> funny how that works. It gets the old guy thing. <laughs> I go, when she read me the text, and I'm going, okay, there's something missing here. This is anxiety about being safe. But I, I said, you got to make sure. And sure enough, it was more about sex than just making sure. And so yeah. uh, now this is about getting to know everyone. So you can do this as a single. It doesn't mean you have to be hopeless. You just have to be more strategic. So you're telling people to Zoom three, four times and then quarantine for two weeks before you meet in person, before you go have that coffee with a mask on. Of course, you have to take your mask off for coffee anyway. I, I would say have five or six 20, 20, 30-minute Zoom dates over a period of maybe two, three weeks. Get a feel for them. Make sure they mm-hmm. can respond. And then you say, you know, I would like to pursue, and this is what I need, you know, uh, a relationship. Mm-hmm. And if they're, and then you talk about what do we both need. You know, well, you know, that, that Thursday night poker game with your eight buddies isn't going to work. Yeah, and that. Mm-hmm. And going to see and going to your your big family reunion because your favorite aunts and you're, you're there or all your grandchildren are there. Mm-hmm. You know, that doesn't work, right? So you, you make those decisions because that person is a prize. And yeah. you don't, you're not saying it's going to marriage, but so that you can create a temporary couple bubble, you maintain it, then you can get together and you can hold hands. It certainly narrows the amount of people you're going to meet on Match or, you know, whatever these sites are called, you know. Uh, so, again, it's probably better in the long run because often you find quantity and not quality, you know, when you're going through yeah. one after the other, you know, they're swiping left to right, like you say. There's there's research for this on two levels. I mean, Barry Schwartz made up. Uh, a whole book called The Paradox of Choice. And the research pointed out when people were given more options, they were less satisfied with their choices because they were always thinking, did I make the right choice? Was there a better one? And uh, the guy who wrote the preface of my book, Paul Carrick Brunson, he used to have, before he sold it, uh, an elite matchmaking service in Washington, D.C., and one day after speaking on stage together, he and I were kind of closing down a uh, bar <laughs> afterwards, <laughs> you know. And he told me, relating to that bank of research, that he found it to be absolutely true. They used to present, at first, six different people that that person could could reasonably, they felt could be reasonably paired with to explore. And when they did six, they would... They would look through them all, and they didn't take it as seriously. They would tend to run through various dates because they had so many. Or they were worried, well, wow, I had a really, 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 really great date, and then they had to see everybody else. And it, What they found out is they stopped giving six even though they could. They narrowed it to two. And with two choices, the person would just sit there and just really carefully go through both profiles. Now they were precious. A little bit of that whole thing, you know, it's a limited quantity, right? And now they took each seriously. They pursued each person. And they had better results limiting to two than to giving them six. And there's a correlation. The more we can, these these dating sites know that they get money by you being on there longer. Of course. The more you swipe left, the more they make money. It is not set up for you to find love. It is, it is set up 
it's a neurologically set up for you to keep swiping left, which means we're all going to break each other's hearts. We're all giving each other the short shrift. It makes sense what you're saying, because look at so many countries that have arranged marriages, and many of them work in India and uh, Pakistan and, you know, some of these different countries where they didn't have the choices. You know, they they grew to, I'm not advocating that, but I'm saying they grew to get to know each other and, 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 and had workable marriages. One of the funny little statistics about uh, arranged marriages is they tend to be pretty good and lasting about 85% of the time. They, they may not have known each other very well first, but they grew and they learned to love each other. Now, the 15%, they're really bad. I know... <laughs> I know that because when I have had clients who had arranged marriage who come in to see me and they're single and they're divorced, they were horror stories. Wow. But there's another 85% of them that do pretty well. Which, yeah. You know, compared, we can say what we want, but we've got a 50 or more percent divorce rate. And I was so, just going to say that in America. It's really, it's really shocking, isn't it, when you think about it? 50% or oh, more? Oh, yeah. Yeah, because a lot of those marriages don't report it. They just they just some they, yes. they drift apart and they stay together for insurance reasons or whatever. So, fifty percent is probably more, right? And I understand and, some of the statistics say that some of the women cheat, but you never hear about this. You know, they don't report it. It's usually the blame is on the men. Uh, cheat? Oh well, the, there was the recent studies. Recent studies is that in five-year committed relationships, women are going outside the boundaries and cheating at slightly higher incidences than men. It's about equal, but it's just slightly higher. Now, why higher. is that? Do they do the research on why that is? Well, they don't know. The re- Well, the, the, the major theory is now that women have more economic abilities, they don't have to stay tied. They're not economically tied to that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, and I think the other one, if I say it, a, a lot of women have done more and more personal growth in the last 40 years than men have. Men were given the, the male sex role that said, you thou shalt not have a feeling, right? Unless it's hungry or horny. Those two you can mm-hmm, have. Mm-hmm. Anger, those three. Hungry, horny, anger. You can have those. <laughs> you can't have any others. Right. <laughs> now, so a lot of men look at dealing with personal growth is all about dealing with your feelings, how you felt about and how that's affecting things. And men kind of have a tendency to say because of the, the, the masculine, you know, role is to say, you know, honey, I will climb any mountain. I will swim any sea. I will go through any fire. Just please don't make me look at that fire-breathing dragon called my feelings. <laughs> <laughs> don't let me. Don't make me talk about my feelings. No, no, don't let me look at that monster. Not that. You know, Let's not talk not about that. the relationship. Let's not talk no. about the relationship. No, no. Well, those are the five worst words in any man's vocabulary. Honey, we got to talk, right? Yeah, yeah. But I, so a lot of women are getting frustrated. Uh, and, it, like, for instance, a lot of men can't. Now, what I point out, because women use, I, this is how I explain it to my male clients, women use feelings as their emotional radar for life. Sure. That means <laughs> they king the world emotionally so they know where they're at. <clears throat> this is true. Every woman knows this. So 
So it's like at SFO, there's the air traffic controller, and he's got air, and he's got radar. <clears throat> Those waves go out, and they hit, and they and they are pinged back by the airplane. So the, the air traffic controller knows where they're at. But if that plane doesn't ping them back, <clears throat> and suddenly Delta Flight 747 doesn't appear on the screen, there's going to be a really uptight air traffic controller, right? <laughs> now he doesn't. You know, he or she doesn't know how to land the plane. They don't know where they're at. This is what men do to women all the time. They are constantly, they when they don't give their feelings because they're told they can't, and they say, well, honey, how was your day? Yeah, it's okay. Uh, nothing, uh, nothing I couldn't deal with. Or, well, you know, I feel that. Uh, feel that is never a feeling. Feel that is like, oh, well, yeah, I was a little sad today, or I was a little upset, or I was a little disappointed. Oh, tell me more about that. Now she knows where she's at. This is war on the female psyche, because the more they've done their their, their growth, men have not, and I really do believe that men have got to come up and meet women where more women are at, okay, uh, in the terms of the personal growth. I think that's what's kind of behind some of that, because most of the time, when I've dealt with couples where there's been an affair on either side, most of the time, unless there's characterological cheating that goes back to some sex addiction, it's been about a lack of emotional connection, <clears throat> sometimes sexual. Yeah. Interesting. Well, do you predict there'll be more separations now after COVID or that people will get stronger? What are you well, saying in your, you know, your counseling sessions? Well, we know that. For instance, uh, what was it? The 1989 uh, hurricane, whatever that one was. I always it was Katrina. Mm-hmm. Something else. I've always forgot what it was. What we know is after when there have been these major times where people had to hunker down and they were in crisis mode, two things happen. One, well, there's three things actually. One is the divorce rate will soar afterwards, okay? Because mm-hmm. people saw somebody really wasn't going to be there. They were already things. finding that in New York State, I understand, just after they got their yes. terrible hit with the COVID. Yes, exactly. And, of course, pregnancies went up. That being due to mm-hmm. nature. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Yeah, of yeah. course. But the, of course. Other, but the other thing is, too, marriages went up. Uh, I, I, you know, I had a, a friend tell me about they were on a, a walk. She was on a walk with her friend. And this friend had never been married before. They were in their 50s. And she was always a little bit, uh, well, you know, we'll see how it's going to go. I'm, you know, always a little bit of a foot out the door when she would check in. During COVID, she says, you know, that man is my rock. I am bouncing off walls, and he is there. She, she goes, I made the best decision, and I didn't even know it. Now, this woman has learned through COVID. My God, look what I've got. That's beautiful. Yeah, so that you, if you show up, if you know how to cherish and protect, if the four feelings I talk about, if you can use this time to, to face your issues and learn how to welcome each other with joy all day, to give yourself some me time and we time so you get to be a me and a we and you feel cherished and protected, you're worthy to get your needs met, and you still feel empowered to create your dreams and your experience. This can grow a marriage, but if this turns into stress, creating arguments and too much togetherness, so you're doing unwelcome and unworthy and 
not so cherished or not so protected or disempowered, it will split you. It's all, you know, what I say in the book, love is about giving and receiving four key feelings. If you can use this time to create more welcome, worthy, cherished, empowered, you can heal a marriage, you can create a better one. And if you, and if this crisis, you look at your, 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 each other in the mirror and you can't create that, that's when, that's when the breakups will happen. That's great advice. You know, we're winding down on time, but I, you touched on something that uh, made me think of how changing times have changed the way people are, are not only courting like we've discussed, but getting hitched up. I mean, my own nephew is going to the Justice of the Peace on Zoom on December 22nd. He's prolonging the in-person celebration. But, you know, you see these cute stories uh, in New York where somebody's throwing a bouquet or proposing, you know, three feet, three stories up, you know. I mean, all sorts of crazy things. The people are are connecting on Zoom or having Zoom weddings, you know. You know, the, you know what creates commitment? They've done some studies uh, where uh, they did this little study with four-year-olds that tells us where commitment comes from. <laughs> they put, you know how kids have, uh, well, three and four-year-olds have these, what's called an attachment object, like the bear they have to go to bed with, right? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, 70% of kids have one of those, right? Yes. And you don't dare lose the bear, right? <laughs> right. Yes. Uh, or they won't go to sleep at night, right? I, I know The that. teddy bear. Yeah, the teddy bear. So they brought people, three and four-year-olds, with attachment to these little objects, and they brought them into a room with this big old box that, that with a cleverly disguised science to the lab assistant in there. And they asked the little child, can we replicate, can we duplicate your, 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 bank, your binky or your blanket or your bear? And what they found out is the kid was attached but not that attached. They go, yeah, give me another one of those. But if the kid was super attached, then they were really good friends with Mr. Bear or Ms. Bear, right? Uh, that baby would, uh, that child would go, no, 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 you can't duplicate Mr. Binky. They're too special. They're too special. <laughs> now, what they found out, <laughs> you're not going there with me, this, you know, there is an essence to that attachment object that they were bonded to, that could not be found elsewhere. And as adults, it is not until we have the essence, when we fall in love with the essence of that person that cannot be found elsewhere, that's when we stop swiping left. Because it doesn't, there's an essence that can only be found within. This is the heart and soul of cherished and protected. When you protect, you commit. And I would venture to say that all of these people who are doing the justice of the peace via, via Zoom are people that in the midst of this crisis, they saw an essence, and they saw it clearly, and they want to cherish, protect, and commit. Once you see it, and it's good, and you realize someone's got your back, and they only saw it through this crisis, then it's time to... It's yes, that's what my sure. sister-in-law gonna... said to me about my nephew. She said they survived the COVID. You know, they've been together five years, and uh, it was beautiful. You know, we didn't know that he was going to propose just a week or two ago. So that's exactly what they did. They they wanted to cherish their relationship, which is beautiful. Yeah, cherished and protected. And protected, yeah. Well, let's talk Welcome about how to get your book. 
Yeah. We could okay. go on forever, like that that um, <laughs> host in Britain who interviewed you for two and a half hours. <laughs> that could be us. So why don't you tell yeah. our listeners how to find your book? Okay. It's on Amazon. It's called Safe to Love Again, How to Release the Pain of Past Relationships and Create the Love You Deserve. It's for singles, couples, and it will go far more in-depth on, on what hold your brain to not be able to receive welcomed or worthy or empowered and how you can reclaim it and the sort of patterns for singles and couples so you can give and receive and you can deserve and actually create and keep a lasting love. It's it's a great reason of what most people have said that have read it. It's eye-opening or life-changing. So just go to Amazon, Safe to Love Again, and... Uh, I've read it. It's a fantastic book. I, I, I may read it again. It's so good. And it, it's, it's on Kindle as well, right? Because for our visually it's, impaired listeners? It's on Kindle, and uh, I believe you're the one that told me that you can set it up in uh, the uh, settings so that you swipe down with two fingers and then we'll start reading, correct? Yes, yes, yes. It was very easy once I finally got it going. Yeah, it's a fantastic book. Yeah, and of course, if, if you forget about it, you do. If you go to my website, GarySalyer.com, of course, there's a page for it. <laughs> well, well but, I know, Gary, that you're yeah. someone who walks the walk. You know, from having had you on previously on the show, that you know, you had your own. You know, it's a second second marriage, second or yes, second marriage, I had two right? Marriages. For, mm-hmm. Two marriages, right? And from all your work with the attachment theory, so you're a wonderful person to give all this insight and advice today on challenges with COVID and love relationships. So. Everybody out there listening, my guest has been Dr. Gary Salyer. Uh, his book, Safe to Love Again, and I hope you look up his website, and I hope you won't give up on love because uh, I think Gary had a good point today that you may even find something better or a better way of dealing with a relationship because of the adversities that we're facing. So we'll pray that this is not our new norm, and thanks for listening to Second Vision. Have a blessed day. I'm Krista McDonald. Thanks for listening.